Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living in the Limelight. I'm your host, Jay Huller. As a quick reminder, please follow us on Instagram at Living in the Limelight Show and check out our website at livinginthelimelight.com. And of course, you can find our podcasts at almost all of the major streaming services. Every week, we feature another conversation with a stage performer where we delve into what makes them tick and hopefully get a little glimpse into some of the behind the scenes action. Perfect Animal is an Atlanta-based indie rock band that just recently formed in October of 2022, although the musical roots for the members run deep. They spend lots of time creating and recording new music and have an ambitious release schedule of a new song roughly every six weeks. The band prides itself on producing music that uses raw emotions and real-life experiences that surely will resonate with their listeners. Look for their upcoming EP to be released on January 20th, 2023, titled Handmade. Let's welcome Eric and David of Perfect Animal to the program. Hey, Jay. Hey, Eric. How are you? Are you here with David? Yeah, David and I are both on the line. How are you doing? Excellent. How's it going? Doing great. Welcome to Living in the Limelight. It's so glad to have you guys on the show. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Um, I would love to start. We always like to start with uh, kind of the backstory of of music and performance and and you may have to speak for the other guys if you know their their stories at least talk from your perspective but like what what has driven you from day one to do this like to be on stage to to make new music every month or six uh weeks just to just what's the passion in there where where can you like source it can you think of a like an origin story for you um so this is eric talking and, okay uh, when I was growing up, like I was kind of like a jock kid, to be honest. Like I did all the sports and stuff, and uh, and eventually, like I just didn't like all the authoritarian figures in sports. So I started writing a bunch of poetry, and uh, so <laughs> I guess you could say that my creative journey stemmed from creative writing. And then uh, when I was a senior in high school, I always wanted to know what it felt like to play live. So my high school had this like field day thing, like battle of the band type situation. Yeah. And me and my buddies got uh, a band together and uh, I learned how to play bass. And like, I remember like a couple weeks before that, my fingers were bleeding because I didn't have any calluses <laughs> and shit. <laughs> and, uh, and we got up there, I was really nervous. And, but it was just such an adrenaline rush that I fell in love with playing live. And then kind of as time went on, I, you know, I would write poetry independently of, of learning music, and then eventually I combined them both into writing songs because, uh, you know, lyrics are definitely the most expressive form of creative writing, the most satisfying. And, uh, yeah, I think once you start chasing it, you never kind of end. So that's my kind of backdrop, and David has his own. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been playing music for... Got, I mean, since early high school, you know, mm-hmm. we and I did a similar thing where I went to we went to the Battle of the Bands. It was my first time on stage, and we actually had to audition for it and like send in like a a, a videotape of us. Yeah, we were like a metal band, and I was doing screaming vocals, and we just conveniently <laughs> left that part out of it. Gotcha. And uh, you know, when we go up, you know, I go and I do the screaming vocals, and I remember the 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 lead theater guy or whatever that was leading the whole thing like 
I knew a bunch of theater kids, and they said that his jaw just dropped. <laughs> you actually, oh, wait. So you, ve- you veered off from the audition. <laughs> you took the audition and went like the total 180 when you did the performance. Once you got approved, you're like, okay, I'm going to do the real thing, and then just threw the screamo at him. <laughs> Is that uh, the way it no, worked? No, it was more like we did, we kept it out in the video just like, you know, kind of on purpose to make sure that we got in. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then the full performance was just something they just really weren't expecting. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, but it, it's just the adrenaline, you know, performing on stage. It's just a lot of fun. So, yeah, let's take kind of maybe those two answers put together. So you guys seem to be really prolific. I, I was looking at Facebook just a little bit ago, and, and the plan of uh, one of the posts was um, we have 12 songs in the hopper, and uh, we're ready to go. We're going to release one every month or every six weeks. So there's there's that creative um, genesis of the, of the lyrics of the songs. And then I'm assuming, and fill in the gaps for me, the guys get together and say, well, you know, this would sound good with this, and this would sound good with that. Is when you're on stage, aside from the the feedback you get from the audience, how much is it like, do you like step back from yourself and go, well, man, this is something, we, we created this is from nothing and here it is and it, it's being accepted and it, what's the vibe with like the, f- the, the feeling good of having produced something and it's being used in the moment besides just getting the claps and whatever. It's like these kids, they're digging this. Like, is that, is that yeah, a really I cool feeling? There really are kind of the two portions of music. It's like the most satisfying to me is when you hear something in your head and you're able to go into a studio and really recreate pretty much exactly what you hear in your head in a studio recording. And then there's the other portion where you get to deliver that to other people to make them feel how you felt in the moment you wrote the song. Uh Um, But in terms of like, you know, being prolific or whatever, um, I guess one of the principles of our band uh, is you, I think in order to be a a good quote unquote creative person, you have to pretty much constantly engage your creative brain. Like it's a muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people, or I've heard a lot of people say things like, you know, Oh, I just kind of wait until basically God taps me on the head and fully <laughs> form songs in my brain. And I deliver that instantaneously, but I just think that's incorrect. Like um, there is a portion of your brain that is active when you're creative and the more you utilize it, the more songs you make. So mm-hmm. if you kind of, I don't know, you kind of say, Hey man, we're going to go, you know, record X number of songs this year, going to go do X, Y, Z, and constantly engage that, I think the better you get at writing. I don't know if that answered your question. No, it kind of does. Um, it kind of <laughs> makes me think of a follow-up, though. So for the writing process in general for you guys, and uh, I, Eric, are you the primary, since your source of poetry, you're the... Oh, uh, we, I mean, we all write songs. It's, uh, I, I don't know. You're, uh, you're definitely, he's the one that <laughs> writes all the lyrics and, put, you know, arranges most of, he arranges the songs and then we just put in, you know, inputs of what, in other ideas to, you okay. know, gotcha. hopefully so, improve. It, yeah, it sounds I mean, like basically, yeah. you know, um, there's, I, have, I have like over 2,000 recordings on my phone. I, I constantly like make ideas and, you know, when a, I want to put something into the band. I basically just pick five or so and just like we kind of mess with them at band practice. And it's just like, I don't know, what do y'all like? And like, what stands out? And 
generally like one or two are like, yeah, I mean, that's definitely it. What we should be working on. And um, then once, you know, once they like the idea or whatever, we all like the idea, then we make what's called a cycle where our band calls a cycle, which is just verse chorus transition that Mm. kind of has interchangeable, interchangeable three parts. And uh, we kind of structure a song using those original three parts. Um, But we all write the songs. It's like, you know, yeah, I mean, I come up with a lot of ideas because that's what I enjoy doing. But it's just the idea. It's like the whole band writes everything. Yeah, we're all adding, you know, we're all adding our own little touches on it. Yeah, no, it sounds like a real collaborative process. Once there's like that treasure trove of you know, stuff to choose from. It's like, I like this, I like that. And then the the conversation happens in the musical conversation with, well, let me play this, let me try that. Um, I was, I, I can barely speak with any authority to all this, but I did play music years and years ago. I was a drummer and I kind of know that vibe, but I wanted to go back kind of to, to Eric's, I don't want to, maybe the best word is muse. Like, do you consciously, because you said you exercise it as a muscle, do you sit down and say, okay, for, for two hours, I'm going to just see, I'm going to think about my day. I'm going to think about what's inspiring to me. Or is it just like you're doing your stuff during the day and you're at the drive through it or whatever, and then when when something happens, you just jump on it right away and, and assume maybe it's going to have life later or not, but you're going to document it? Um, to be honest, though, so, you know, every day I play music and I work on music. Uh, that's kind of a given, but um, honestly, like the best songs or the best, licks or phrasings or whatever come from really when I'm not thinking about it at all like I think I write the best when I have a really busy day at work or something and like it's almost like my brain wants to fight against that and like go to the creative fun land (laughs) and like like, (laughs) pops out like good ideas more so that way gotcha it's like I regularly every day yes I exercise my creative brain um but it's kind of weird in the sense that it, that uh, the best things usually come when you're not thinking about it, <laughs> honestly. Uh, yeah, that's good. So let's talk about maybe like one of your songs, Warm Twin Bed, and <clears throat> maybe track that mm-hmm. back um, to where you first, you know, first thinking about some of the phrasings for that or some of the music for that and when the band first started talking about it. And how did that one evolve? Um, that just started with the mood. Yeah, we we uh we were playing with the with the mood. We, we were just a, playing with the mood, and that's just where that one started. That's how it started. Yeah. Um, I, lyrics. I'm sure you had already written, just adapted them to what we were doing. So I mean, yeah, man. Actually, that started because David came. I've just bought that a mood grandmother synth, mm-hmm. which is like the it's like this really cool all-in-one synth that has a million different ways you could play it. And David came over and I, we were doing something else. I think we were actually shooting the handmade cover art that day. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. That's what we did. And um, we found this cool ass tone and we kind of pieced together that intro that don't bump, 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 bump. Yeah, that was all the intro. Yeah. So, and then, uh, and then I guess a lot of the leads and stuff for that came, came in later on. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, the I think the coolest part of writing that song was we kind of started getting it fleshed out. We had the chord structures down, mm-hmm. and like uh, we had just gotten Justin in as the drummer, 
and like it was one of our first rehearsals at the rehearsal space that we use now. It's called Rehearse Live LLC out in uh, Norcross. Norcross. Okay. But um, the first time we did that, uh, like when it sinks into the guitar portion of the verse out of the move, David hit this fucking lick that just like it's such a good lick. The intro lick <laughs> after the the lick after the, the intro first lick, the verse lick is so fucking good. I love uh-huh. it so much. And, just just put this lazy beat on it and Alex just is always a freak with bass. And just it has such a good blend in it. Mm-hmm. And like when I when we heard that we were like, damn. All right. Yeah. 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 We got something. Yeah. That's really interesting. But yeah, so that's kinda how it went. And like uh the lyrics are very much about, you know, relationships and vivid memories of relationships. I uh, yeah. I will say like towards the end of the warm twin bed for the solo po- portion at the very end of the song yeah we came in to make it sound huge like we i guess we we just kind of came up with the very end of it at the at the studio mm-hmm. with the um i guess it just sounds i don't know how to explain it, it. it just sounds impactful like the, the the bulk of it was already there mm-hmm. but we added in some i guess there was like an underlying um in order to make to amplify the lead at the end we use basically the octave relationship. Yeah, and, we kind of uh, use octaves, and, uh, and I don't try to make like a big sounding. Yeah, we take to the song. They weren't the root. I don't think they were root notes. Maybe they were. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, it amplifies the ending section and and the guitar solo at the end. But uh, yeah, I mean the feeling of the song is very much like the intimate, the actual intimacy of a relationship versus like. The, sh- <laughs> the stuff that people usually talk about is all right getting a little out of hand yeah. no <laughs> actually that's the point <laughs> that's a lot to talk about but yeah i think that a lot of lyricists in terms of the lyrics of the song um when they sit down to write they a lot of times they want to try to sound like their heroes or sound like something they heard on you know on spotify or whatever right. they try to sound like somebody else and so they start using like descriptive terminology and kind of ideas they hear in other songs to like describe something that really should be personal. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think where with that song in particular, where I tried, I really tried to make it come from life experience and um, be really intimate and personable instead of kind of utopic. And like, uh, you know, the first verse is like basically depicts. A relationship or a couple going to criminal records in Atlanta. I don't, where are you from? I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, but I've been here in Georgia for many, many years. Oh, what area do you live in? Uh, we're in North Canton, so I don't know if you know Waleska, but it's a little town. Yeah, Waleska. Actually, yeah, I played music with a guy who's born born in Waleska. Oh, really? Yeah, isn't that over by Jasper, right? Yeah, not quite. It's sort of between. Uh, Jasper's a little further north. I'll say that. Okay. Well, I'm sure you've heard. Have you heard of Criminal Records and Little Five? I have. Yeah, I've been to Atlanta several times. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the first verse is just kind of depicting, like, a relationship or a couple going to Criminal Records and picking out vinyls. And then the second verse is about, you know, a very real aspect of, it, of relationships is sex and, like, depicting kind of how sex feels. I mm-hmm. use, you know, like, smoking menthol cigarettes and, like, looking at porn magazines like very lustful all right that is an element of a relationship is lust mm-hmm. to some extent it eventually turns into love <laughs> so like it kind of starts out lustful and then the last one is um 
you know, I guess it feels like middle November when you smell like burning leaves and we're laying in a warm twin bed. You know, I really want to be, you know, I want to be all the things that you can remember, the way it feels to talk to me. So stop faking all your long drawn plans of what you really want to be. So like in a relationship, it's almost like, uh, I guess like how it starts is, you always want to remember it a lot of times i guess is the point so uh-huh. it's like i want to be all the things you remember and i want i want to be and vice versa um so that's kind of like the innocent little thing behind the song on top of the sex and the cigarettes and <laughs> well no that actually is for a bizarre reason is a perfect segue segue to um something on your spotify bio um that i pulled okay. out that um you self-describe uh, your message and your the tenets of the band as as knife to bone, and that just that phrase jumped right out at me. Like, okay, so yeah, these guys are serious about what they're talking about, and you just depicted that <laughs> through that song. Um, so tell me more about that approach, if you can. I, you sort of not not necessarily think, contrast to other artists, but like why why is that super important for you to deliver the, the raw emotions that that we feel. Because I, I think that, you know, to constitute good art, it really has to be as close as you can get to, like, human emotion or human experience. And um, it has to be, you have to hit that nerve. And mm-hmm. I think when it doesn't, it just isn't true enough because it, it has to be true to your humanity. Um, actually, like I was in one band where somebody didn't like the way I wrote because I was <laughs> I was too intense. <laughs> they were like, "I just want to make happy music," but I was just like, "Okay, go I'm on. not really that happy. Like, I want to be raw and real and like depict things that are real." And like, so it's an aspirational thing, and hopefully, we achieve that through our music. But oh, I think you absolutely do, and I, and I think it it's a an admirable trait. And it's something you can always hold on to, you know, it's like, this is the way we want to put our music and we're going to stand behind it. And, and you'll, you'll always have the people who will connect with that. Uh, as long as they yeah, understand and I it. feel like <laughs> some of the best songs I've ever heard, you hear these lyrics, like, and you're just like, it almost hurts because it's so true and real and like personal. And you're like, damn, that's just like, you feel it out of your very core of who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of music we would like to make. Hopefully we make it. Uh, yeah, and I think that's it's, it's amazing that you could take. I, I'm thinking back to that very beginning, the Moog part, and uh, it's almost it's almost like a heartbeat, and it's it's setting the tone yeah. for the song. And you can rhythmically, in addition to lyrically, reflect those emotions. And I think you guys are on, on the a perfect track to getting that out to the world. So um, speaking of getting out into the world, I want to talk about California too, which is predating warm twin bed i, I watched the video today um <laughs> did it freak you out a little bit it, well it was uh it was a little dark but um it was also <laughs> you know it, it's just a i want to say it was attractive in the sense of like what's coming next and it, it kept my attention it, it, it drew me in the entire time um and i thought that was just super creative because there's some things that'll you know in this modern generation like oh what happened over there and but my eyes were, were fixated. I can tell you that 100%. So uh, can you give us kind of a little bit of background on that song and the video or um, anything you want to share with that? 
You want to go do this? Oh, I don't know what to say right now. I mean, with the music videos, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, with the music, I do the music videos. So, kind of going into them, like, that's, I've been doing photography and videography stuff for probably about four years now. Uh And it's just, yeah, I guess with that one, I mean, the concept was all behind, you know, Eric, but shooting it was, it was definitely, like, I could tell, like, with the black figure and everything, it needed to be kind of scary. Yeah. Now, I actually, like, I was actually thinking about it the other day when I was at my friend's house and watched it. The black figure <laughs> reminds me of, like, the Christmas of, uh, or the Christmas Ghost of Future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> From the live action. I was like, it's like, oh, man. But, uh, it, it, I true. guess, like, I just wanted it to really, I guess, drear on that subject. Yeah. No, I it's actually, absolutely did. And I think, you know, with all the music videos, it's just fun. Like, it's just fun to go down with random rabbit holes. Like, that's a very weird video. <laughs> <laughs> we have some pretty weird ideas yeah. for videos. Like, I don't know, it's, it would be boring if we just got up there and played behind a graffiti wall. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because <laughs> like, people could, you know, see like, you live, right? Not that's that we won't live. do that in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just more fun to be like, all right, there's a demon in the woods, right? <laughs> and he's digging in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I guess, like, because you had a whole idea with it, like, with, um, you basically become the black figure. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, I guess the concept behind it is that this, like, demonic spirit is, like, trapped in these woods and uh, has been forever. And he attracts the, the dude to come into the woods <laughs> and, like, you, you know what, uh, you're watching Harry Potter. You yeah. know what a whole crux is? I do. Like the yes. whole crux is. Uh-huh. But the little bunny that he digs up is like a whole crux and like, or something else. Horcrux. Yeah. Horcrux, Horcrux. yeah. <laughs> and so when he digs it up, they switch places. And now the dude who digs it up is trapped in the woods and the other guy's free. I don't know. He's just fun. Got yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, how it relates to California, <laughs> lyrics, I don't think it does at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> in a general sense. But it was a fun video to do for it. Yeah, yeah I don't see the California Board of Tourism picking that up as their <laughs> promo to go into the Redwoods, probably. Um, but certainly, <laughs> <laughs> certainly it has its place. And, uh, it's definitely artistic, and and that's another thing, you know. Like, so when when appreciation or when fans of your music go, okay, God, I want to check out this video because you guys are releasing videos too. I think that's the plan is to release a video at the same time as a song or roughly around the same time. So, a lot of videos are going to be coming. With every music release, yeah. okay. Um, you know, that's like, oh my gosh, is that what they were thinking? <laughs> and so <laughs> it 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 engages that internal dialogue of them talking to you and your thoughts and then they get to think about the song even a whole different perspective so i don't think how you could go wrong with with a music video yeah and generally the song is about transformation like it's about uh going from our last band into this band Mm -hmm. and uh you know in the video the guy transforms into the demon it's very loose 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 (laughs) really but yeah yeah I, i think that at least um, the warm twin bed music video lines up a little better with the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I know you guys work because we scheduled this for after work hours. So this uh, music is not a full time business yet for you. But like, if if you could have that crystal ball and and chuck those nine to fives and and do music twenty four seven, what what would you imagine? 
this band, where would you be going? What would you be doing? Um, what venues? I noticed you've played Smith's Old Bar, which is a great venue. Um, where where can you foresee you you know your future? Where where do you guys want to go? So at least for I'll talk for myself on this one. This is David. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I already work from home, and I guess for my kind of job, mm-hmm. I, I just. I, I could probably, you know, do music 24-7 and still, you know, hold a job as long as I have, uh, you know, internet connection. Oh, absolutely. So it's just like even, you know, they make like Starlink for that, you know, and all that. You know, I'm not that I'd be able to do it in a tour bus all the time, but I'd probably be able to do enough to, you know, hold down my position. And I think really success is just like kind of just doing whatever you want. And it's like, I think, I don't know if I would want my entire life to just be living in a tour bus and doing that. Yeah, I don't really want to live in a tour bus. I think, uh, like, my favorite band is The Cure, and Robert Smith, you know, he always, he has this shtick where he's like, oh, this is every album's their last album, and I'll never <laughs> record it, I'll never go on <laughs> But his point is that you have to build up life experiences in order to write good songs. So, yeah, yeah. You have to engage in life, whether that's work or relationships or everyday life. You can't just be detached on a tour bus or whatever and create meaningful music. I just don't think so. So, I mean, the goal is just like if we want to go on tour, let's go on, on tour. If we want to record, let's record. If we just want to chill and work and like whatever, yeah, do that. Pretty much. Pretty much. You know, I don't – a lot of people talk about, you know, they. I think – People are really sold on the dream of touring, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of misplaced. I understand where they're coming from in the sense that, yeah, that in a glorified sense, of yeah. course you want to go be Zeppelin and ride on the. But in a realistic sense, in a realistic sense, you're four, you know, yeah. four twenty guys in a band. <laughs> yeah, going to Oklahoma to make twenty bucks on Wednesday. To be honest with you, and yeah, so it's just like being, you know. If I had it my way, I would just want to dictate what I want to do when I want to do it. And, like, as soon as, like, the meaning starts going away from our songs, then I wouldn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And and it seems, I mean, I've never been in that position, and I've only talked to a few people who are embedded in that situation, but the external pressures, when it is 24-7 for you, um, with... Yeah, it'll kill it. Yeah, it could. For me, my goal is, like, when I die, I want to have a good body of music to, like, be proud of. That's that's really the only goal. Like, whatever happens in between now and then is this kind of fate and, like, whatever. Um, but as long as I'm proud of it and, like, there's a big quantity of it, then I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're heading in the right direction. That's certainly ambitious. I love the, um, the plan you've laid out with the number of songs already. and Because uh, you guys, <clears throat> having sort of this new genesis of the band with a couple of changeovers. Um, it's, it's, I think it's super exciting. A lot of bands that I talk to and people I talk to, like, yeah, like kind of like what you guys said before is like, ah, when, when the news strikes, I'll have a few songs or whatever. You're, you're hardcore. Mm. <laughs> you're like, we're doing this, but you're also doing, you know, you're doing your jobs and you're living life. And that's kind of like the, the next question I love to ask sometimes is balancing it all. So when you're, really really itching your work and you're really really itching to do some music um and then you've got some maybe family things going on at home is it super difficult because some of us 
and maybe the people listening to this podcast, some of us are just like, we've got our job and we have our families, but we don't have that like third big thing. And you guys do. So is it, is it hard to manipulate and keep all those balls in the air? Yeah. They yeah. just got to prioritize <laughs> the things as they come in front of you. Like socially, you know, <laughs> I mean, if, if it means enough to you, you'll find, you'll yeah. figure out a way to make the time. Yeah. yeah. Like I, we do it every day and like, I enjoy doing it every day. And, uh, a lot of times that means that I can't do social things, which is fine. Cause mm-hmm. my stuff, my favorite part of my social life is hanging out with my band, with my boys. Dog. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but, uh, it's hard. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's hard when you're tired from work and you get home and you're like, damn, I don't feel like doing these live from the bathrooms or it's like, promoting the stuff online or whatever but mm-hmm. if you just kind of make yourself do it for half an hour then you go all right gone because because at the end of the day like anything the, i think the biggest truth in life and like really like how you can go achieve things you kind of just pick a couple things that are important to you and you work at it consistently every day and the cumulative effect of like putting 30 minutes in every day just at a minimum and sometimes that jumps to like five hours. Sometimes it's one. <laughs> yeah. You cumulatively compile that experience and time, you will get to where you want to go, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Like, yeah. um, the cumulative effect of effort is what's important in life because if you pick a goal, you will get there if you just try it every day. Yeah, that's a super healthy attitude. And I love the, the regularity of it because some of us, it's, it's great timing too. It's, this podcast is going to be released at the beginning of the year. So, you know these new year's resolutions that everyone seems mm-hmm. to have. It's like, I'm going to do this. But um, if you just keep in mind, yeah, if you can keep it consistent and keep it solid, uh, you can achieve yeah. almost basically anything you want. I love that. Message. Like, Have you ever heard of that? What's that thing? It's like you spend 10,000 hours on something, you master it. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's, Bruce, yeah. it's Bruce Lee is something like, I'd rather practice yeah. the same punch 10,000 times than 10,000 different punches. Cause when that one punch comes that you've practiced 10,000 times, look out. Yeah. <laughs> If you just like throw in thirty minutes towards that ten thousand every day, you get there, dog. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Well, you guys want to talk about gear for a little bit because I've had um, some singers on recently, and they was like, "Yeah, I've got a microphone I use or whatever." But um, in in your questionnaire, you guys had some some gear items, and uh, one thing that jumped off the page for me was uh, Rickenbacker, um, and so uh, talking basses. Um, I don't know if you know that this podcast is basically named after um, the Rush song "Limelight" and the phrase in there "Living oh, the yeah, Limelight." Yeah, that. I'm a huge Rush the best fan. Best of all time. <laughs> oh yeah, so he Getty Lee Rickenbacker has been his primary bass forever. Um, oh yeah. What's well, your... our bassist is his name's Alex. And okay. He is obsessed. Like his, <laughs> we're talking about like yeah, how you got to become a musician. His dad was a touring musician in uh-huh. L.A. for a while. He's from L.A. He only recently moved to Georgia in the past, I think, three years ago or something. Alex can just pick up on anything. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's one of those people you could be like, hey, Alex, play like play like an F-sharp, blah, blah, blah. And he'll just go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's kind of, it's really weird. <laughs> he's, he's tone perfect. It's, it's insane. But he has so many bases. He, he loves flipping bases so he'll go on like reverb.com or uh-huh. whatever facebook marketplace and he'll go find deals and he'll flip those bases so he has like i think he has 12 bases oh, legit wow. he loves fender 
his Rickenbacker is like his most expensive. Mm-hmm. Then he has like a, he has like three P bases. <laughs> he's got a jazz bass. He's got a Fender Mustang, which is really cool with flat wounds on it. Uh-huh. And he has he recently bought some weird. He bought he has a, he has a Stingray and he got some like six string bass. Yeah. But he, he's like that kind of person who's just like we're all gear whores to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> we like our gear. But David's got a really cool setup too. If you want to talk about it. Yeah, talk about your yeah, setup. So, okay, so yeah, I. I put together a MIDI capable key, uh, pedal board where you know it all just goes to like a MIDI box, and I save presets for each song and save them on different pages on my my uh, on the MIDI box, yeah. and uh, I just set up you know set list for for everything, and um that so that, that that's a lot of fun. I also have it going to um, stereo in my um in my in my orange. Amp, it's got yeah. two tens in it, and it has the stereo effect loop. Yeah. So that kind of allows me to get a live stereo effect with just one amp, which I really like. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm also playing, uh, mostly playing a Reverend. Uh, I think it's a Warhawk. Yeah, Reverend Warhawk and a Gretsch DVD. Oh, so and, and I've got a like a '92 Telecaster, a Mexican-made Telecaster. Nice. And you put natural strings on them. Yeah, which sound really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, yeah, and I have um, I just recently spent an ass load of money on a <laughs> Yamaha AC5R acoustic, and uh, that thing's awesome. It's, it's like the nicest yeah, guitar I've ever played. I definitely, <laughs> nice. I definitely paid the money for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I also have a Jaguar and uh, a Fender Deluxe Reverb. And then our drummer has Mapex. Yeah, I don't know too much about drums. I think he has a Mapex. Yeah, yeah. Mapex is a decent brand. I got. Uh, You're a drummer, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, from years what ago. What do you have? <laughs> I have electronic drums now because once we had uh, children, I lost my drum room. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, it became they, a, they're pretty a nursery. Nowadays, they are. Those electronic kits are awesome. Yeah, and you can almost fold the whole thing up on against the wall if you need the room for something, or you put throw it in the back of the car. You know, have these huge shells and uh, uh, and then and just tracking. Like I've heard, I heard somebody track an electronic kit. That's not great. It honestly is like nowadays you can barely tell the difference. To be honest, yeah, <laughs> no, it more crazy. visual than anything. If you're not looking at the drummer, forget it. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So cool. Um, all right, so we've got an EP coming up. I think I, s- I saw January. What's the date in January that Handmaid's dropping? January 20th. January no, 20th. Is yeah, it is the 20th. Mm-hmm. What are we uh, looking to see on that or hear on that? Oh, this is our acoustic EP coming, like, early. <laughs> it's, we, uh, it's an acoustic EP. We, um, yeah, this is when we were still in our previous band. And like there was kind of conflict in the band at the time, uh-huh. and uh, um, I felt like I couldn't really do everything that I wanted to do in the band. And one day, uh, I got a phone call, and like one of my one of my friends from high school took her life, and oh. like it was just really sad. And like the, that same day, um, I called our our producer Marcus. Who's, who's at Pink Bus Productions um, in Atlanta? But I called him and I set up a studio session and uh, I tracked all four 
songs that day on the EP. And um, then Alex came that same day and recorded his bass. And then David eventually did later. But um, it's very like, uh, all those songs are very pure. And like, it's really like a gift for her. Okay, gotcha. In honor of her. And uh, like, uh, yeah. One of the songs called Happy Birthday, it's very directly about her. I wrote it the day before I went into the studio. And um, she took her life the day after her birthday. And it was just very sad. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, yeah, <clears throat> another one of the songs is called Cat. It's a very sad EP, definitely. It's got, I guess, Fritter's upbeat. I mean, Fritter's Painful Rock. And Painful Rock is fun. Yeah. yeah. That's like, yeah, that'll be... That'll yeah. definitely be the like, I guess the main the hit song probably. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, so painful rock is about, um, I guess about. There's a lot of people in relationships that uh, I think that there's one really dominant person and one really submissive person in a lot of relationships. Absolutely, and it's almost like uh, it's almost like those personality types can't really be in a relationship without. Like a dominant person like that, almost narcissist, can't be in a relationship with somebody who's not completely submissive to them. And like the submissive person kind of likes the other person to be super dominant. And so the song is just kind of about that relationship and what I've noticed in people. And uh, I always, while live, I always joke around and say, hey, this song's about BDSM. It, <laughs> it uses BDSM like language to convey that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, I think, I think people think I love BDSM, <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> but, yeah. And then that, the other song is called Cadillac Baby. That's about the deterioration of relationship through the eyes of the cat. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Fritter's just like an instrumental. Mm-hmm. Wow. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited for it to come out. Uh, I don't know. It's very satisfying. I don't know. Yeah. We've had it done for probably eight eight or nine months now. Yeah. So we're just, you know, it's a convenient drop while we're working on other songs and getting all those recorded and doing music videos. Got you. Yeah. I, I, I admire you for, for digging into the, um, to the story behind your friend and not, um, cause what it's, this reminds me of what we were talking about earlier and just throwing it back, but uh, some artists might just take the topic of suicide and write about it. But instead, this is a personal relationship and experience and you did knife to bone. And you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig in here and, and, and say, I haven't even read the lyrics, but the way you've depicted and described it, I know I can almost imagine what's forthcoming. And uh, I, it's uh it's it's just admirable to um, know that that people are willing to put that out there, and you know, it's I'm not going to put something out. It's just going to be a commercial success. I'm going to do this riff and this. No, I want to write what I feel, and I'm going to put some music to it. And uh, hope you appreciate it. But this is this is coming from me, and that's that's a that's a great direct form of art. And I hope really for way down the future that your fans and then people who come to become your fans really latch onto that core because it's an, it's an unbreakable bond that they would have uh, as fans to your music. And uh, uh, even though mm-hmm. it's super painful, I, I admire you guys for, for digging in there and, and, 
in doing that. Yeah. I, uh, thank you. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing this interview with Tom Petty where he was like, he was kind of older. I think he was doing a, that Wildflowers album. And he was basically what he said was, he was like, for a couple albums prior to Wildflowers, he uh, stopped like writing about his personal life because it like, almost like, I guess, he didn't want to give pieces of himself away in his songs anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Wildflowers was a return to him like giving himself into his music. And it's just like, it's got to come from that. And if it doesn't come from yourself and who you are and your experiences and friendships and relationships, then it's, it kind of is inherently fake. I hate to say that, but like it kind of is to some extent. Mm-hmm. No, I, I see so, exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's just got to come from your heart. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. This has been a great conversation. Um, I want to kind of finish off with um, the best way, like uh, we can follow you guys. I know you're on Spotify and probably all the streaming services and you've got a Facebook page. Um, just just kind of th- throw it all out there as to the, like the best way you'd love for fans to interact with you. Maybe some upcoming shows that are maybe penciled in or, uh, you know, just uh, the best way. Cause once this, comes out and people start latching on to you guys we want to be able to um, grab you some fans okay so yeah we'll we'll probably be doing shows early this next year probably hopefully before the spring but uh yeah the best way to reach us or follow us is instagram instagram it's yeah. popping our instagram is popping all the time the gram is popping <laughs> yay <laughs> Grandma's uh, but yeah, we have everything else. That, like we'll be posting stuff on YouTube as well, um, a lot. Um, and then we're all on on the normal platforms: Facebook, Twitter, wherever you want to find us. And then uh, as well as Spotify. Yeah, just Perfect Animal Band. Yeah, fairly consistent with uh, that name. We'll yeah. have our own website, you know, within within the next month. Yeah, I was wondering if there was going to be one. I, I tried to dial it in first, but I'm glad there's one in the. Technically, the, the website's already up, not finished. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. So I didn't even ask you this. I meant to the uh, the name of the band. Is there a story behind it, or is this like, uh, let's be perfect animal, or did it come from two different things, or uh, is there a story behind it? It um, it's really about <clears throat> it's about the duality that exists inside everybody, like mm. um. It's, like, it's kind of like, you know, yin, yin and yang, and it's like uh, yin and yang. Um, humans, uh, whatever issue it is, like, you're kind of, you have an internal conflict on pretty much anything. And, like, the balancing act that exists internally and the result of that balancing act is what kind of drives your decision-making. Yeah. And so perfect animal is kind of like, you know, animalistic instinctual irrational versus like rational perfectionism or whatever it's kind of like it exemplifies that internal conflict and that dichotomy i guess no and it kind of just allows you it, it doesn't uh it just kind of allows for whatever imagine your imagination wants i don't know it's not very confining or restricting in terms of genre or feel or anything so very cool i, know, I think it's catchy too yeah, it is catchy. Oh, absolutely. It's a great conversation topic to get people going. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you guys and I'm sorry we missed the other two, but um, hopefully they'll catch this and uh, we would love to have you back on the show. Um, 
we would love to, Jay. I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. It's, it's been really a nice conversation. We've enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, thank you. We have too, and uh, enjoy the uh, intro and outro on this. You're going to be listening to Warm Twin Bed and uh, more music coming from Perfect Animal. Thank you guys so much. Have a super evening, all right? Thanks, Jay. You too. You all right, too. take it easy. Bye. Bye.